Welcome to episode 80 of the BCF ORG podcast, The Business of Business. I'm Brian Fisher. In the previous episode, 79, our guest was Dave Elsner discussing customer-centric selling. This podcast series focuses on the various subjects and topics to help you run a successful, profitable business. They're approximately 10 to 15 minutes long, so you can listen while commuting. Hopefully, you'll find one or two takeaways to implement per episode. Today's episode discusses buying and selling a business. Our guest is Trevor Acers. Based out of the San Diego area, Trevor Acers is the founder and managing director, investment banking at Objective, and concurrently operates as a leader of the consumer practice. He has 20 plus years of investment banking acquisition, and strategy experience advising middle market companies on transaction execution and strategy. Prior to founding Objective, Trevor served as a director at TGG Capital, where he led the firm's financial and strategy consulting operations. Previously, he was director of the Oxford Investment Group's Western U.S. Private Equity Activities and managing partner at Passive Venture Capital Partners. Earlier in his career, he managed the post-acquisition integration and continuing operations of the three entities with a total revenues of $29 million for EMC Corporation and led business performance improvement engagements for KPMG Consulting. Trevor's very involved in the San Diego business community and regularly appears as a panelist or speaker for multiple organizations, including CFO Leadership Council, Southern California Institute, and many more. He's a board member of San Diego Sports Innovators and a member of many more organizations that foster business relationships and growth in the San Diego area. He has also been recognized many times for his excellence in investment banking, including being recognized as a top influential business leader in the San Diego 500 list by the San Diego Business Journal for the past six years. Trevor has an MBA from the UCLA Anderson School of Management with a finance concentration and a bachelor's degree with high honors in business administration from the University of San Diego. He holds FINRA Series 79 and Series 63 licenses and is a registered representative of BA Securities, member FINRA SIPC. Let's welcome Trevor Acers. Trevor, welcome to the BCF ORG podcast, the business of business. That's a pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks for being with us today, Trevor. Trevor, I'm always interested in people's stories. What's your background in founding Objective? Sure. I uh, started in strategy consulting for a good number of years and then got into tech, transitioned after an MBA from there to private equity. And what we saw in private equity was that buying companies started I started realizing that there was a large uh, large market opportunity. There were a lot of business owners in the middle market who were underprepared to talk to people like me <laughs> when I was buying trying to buy their company. and uh, it just didn't seem right. And so when I went and partnered with an individual that was doing this, it, we started building what today is objective. That was the intent was helping helping individuals make really good decisions when it came to M&A. Well, today's topic is buying and selling a business. How do you respond when a buyer calls you? 
Yeah, it, you know, it's it's a real when when a buyer calls, it's an incredible compliment. Right. Any, anyone, anytime anybody calls you, if they have any kind of insight into your business whatsoever, sometimes you get those calls that are worthless. But but when someone calls you that has some kind of intelligence, it's a, quite a compliment. It's also an opportunity to lose a large amount of money. And what I mean by that is a, a decent portion of the calls that people get when they're talking, uh, when someone says, hey, I want to buy your business, are relatively poorly educated on the business that they're talking about. Uh, they don't really know. They're saying, we want to engage with you. We want to have conversation. And the, the typical, a, a very prototypical conversation goes something to the effect of you start explaining your business. They tell you how interested. You then tell them all the secret sauce about how the business works. They're a competitor of yours. And then you get to the t- point in time in which they make an offer. And the offer is a third of what you sort of thought. And you realize now that you spent four months of your time that you could have been focusing on the growth of the company. You've now found four months of a converse, in a conversation that went nowhere. And if you think about that incremental growth that you have now lost out and you take and you do a multiple of the earnings that you didn't get, you realize that the enterprise value that you've destroyed by having this conversation that went nowhere was millions. And so we, we've, we've done a, a lot of talking on this subject and it's a relatively easy solution. So the solution often is, Twofold. One, I need to know what must be true in order to sell my business. It's typically a a couple factors. One, there's a a financial component, usually after-tax cash proceeds. What would I need in my bank account to make it worthwhile to give up the cash engine that I've built, both in terms of uh, cash at closing and then maybe some potential upside? There's two different types of, of consideration. The second piece of it is the non-financial. What else must be true? How would a acquirer need to treat my employees? How would my experience need to be, both in terms of how much time I have to spend in the business, how I'd get compensated for that? The other questions are, how, how do I think about my legacy? If I built this business, how, do I, how, are this, how is this owner going to treat that? And then how does the owner treat the legacy of the company, which is really a conglomeration of the work of both you and all these people that have helped you get there. So there's a there's a real thoughtful set of elements that need to be determined up front. And what that does by thinking about that, it doesn't have to be set in stone. It doesn't have to be you know, incredibly sharp in every single one of those answers. It just has to have some good semblance of what that is. And what that allows you to do is aggress- to do the second piece of the, of the strategy, so aggressively disqualify buyers. So what I mean by that is, as a when someone calls us and we get the call from Microsoft or GE or whoever it is, and we get this smile on our face, like, wow, someone appreciates what I've done. Uh, that's a great thing. However, the, the, the next thing what we need to we tend to do is to try to get them further in love with us, right? We tell them all about how great it's going to be. We pretend it's going to be great. And part of that strategy is right. Getting that fish further on the hook is exactly the thing we want to do. We're always in sales mode when we're taking that call. We're getting them more excited. And we're really, in a perfect world, we're talking about how Monday morning might be. Boy, if you owned us, you could sell all your stuff to my customers. I could sell all your stuff to my customers. That's great functional conversation. But the second piece of that has to be trying to aggressively disqualify them as opposed to see how long I could keep them on the hook and interested. I don't want to do that. It's, a, it's, an, it's the actual inverse of what often you might think is the, stra- is the right strategy. I, once I've got them excited and interested, I want to see if they're going to shake off the hook. So I want to share with them something to the effect of, hey, 
I've been executing a three-year growth plan. And, uh, you know, if I were going to sell today and not do that growth plan, I would probably, we we get a lot of interest regularly. I'd probably need at least X in purchase price. And I'm not sure that makes sense today, but that's what I would need to get to. And what I'm trying to do is shake them off. I'm trying to have them say, whoa, wow, you're asking for $30 million. We think this is worth 10. Okay, great. Then I've disqualified that conversation. I've invested very little. And if they're interested, they'll come back. Um, and maybe I've created a little bit of a relationship there that that will, that will come back. But I've, I've stopped that investment of my time, and I can now refocus back on the business. Well, I know when I sold my business a little over four years ago, after 34 years, uh, synergy was extremely important to me and how they were going to treat the employees and keep the employees. And we had similar business concepts or objectives of how we, how we went to market. Yeah, you use the word synergies. It's 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 another another really interesting characteristic of that conversation when the buyer calls you is we as you go through due diligence a lot of the conversation is focused on your financials on your business and then specifically on your financials and it is a race to the bottom when that is the sole focus of the conversation it's it's not that it's inappropriate right we need to understand what they call quality of earnings like what what how does the business run and how how uh, uh, what kind of profit it creates but that's part of the story. And by missing out on that, we're really asking for a default low, industry low price. What we need to then take that conversation is what we call focusing on what we call post-acquisition economics. This idea of the only thing that really matters to the buyer is how much money they're going to make in the next three to five years by owning this company. That's it. That's the only thing. So as we as we start framing the opportunity around how much money... What that means that it that it tells me that I need to do is it tells me that I want to start talking about these synergies. And I want to look at synergy A and synergy B and synergy C and start characterizing them. Boy, you could sell all your products to my customers. Let's let's start doing some, some uh, assessment of that. Then let's actually start doing some math. Boy, I've got a thousand customers. I think in the first year, you're going to have a 17% attach rate where you're going to sell your average products to us. Your average products X, this is what it creates in gross. This is what it creates. Your average product creates an incremental product, uh, profit contribution. That means that if that's true, in 18 months, in an annualized basis, I'm creating X million dollars of incremental EBITDA, incremental profit contribution. And if you're trading at 10 times earnings, you can do the math and create, figure out how much shareholder value you're creating. And so I take Synergy A, Synergy B, and Synergy C, and we start, you can look at those and then figure out the total shareholder value that you create, you know, your organic earnings, the, the benefits of each of these synergies, you multiply it by their what they're trading at or what their multiple would be. And now we look at it and say, boy, you know, you, you're going to make in 18 months, you're with a high probability. You're going to make $100 million. Why are we fighting over if it's 25 or 27 million? This is pretty clear. What I'm trying to create is logical rationale for a buyer where I'm not, I'm not pressuring them. This isn't a pressure move. This is a one of intellectual honesty where we're looking at each other. And in fact, they might come back and say, Trevor, that 17% uh, accept, uh, attach rate. No, no, no. It's going to be something like 14%. But what just happened is it's now their number. 
right? It's now, I'm now help them quantify that. So when they go back and say, boy, you know what? I know we're paying at the high end of the market here for this multiple, but they convince their board that it makes sense because they've got this really well thought out plan. And if you think about how this plays in human dynamics for a second, if you think if I told you you had an eight and 10 chance of winning $100 versus a two and 10 chance, which one are you going to pay more? So you're going to pay for more for that higher probability. Interestingly enough, in the traditional investment banking process, that conversation around these post-acquisition economics primarily occurs after the LOI, after the purchase price has sort of been determined together. And then the other side starts doing their confirmatory due diligence. And our belief is that that really that conversation is best had early on. And it goes back to this synergy of trying to shake the buyer, trying to get the, to, to aggressively disqualify them. Because if we find out together that the synergies that you thought were going to occur are pretty weak, then we mutually realize this is not a deal in which you're going to be willing to pay a premium. So let's shut these conversations down early. So it's a, this is these, sort of these three-part methodology that we often recommend uh, uh, sellers use as we're talking to potential buyers. We're speaking with Trevor Acers, founder of Objective. Well, we've talked a little bit about buyers, Trevor, and sellers. When you talk to a seller about selling their business, how do you help them to determine the valuation and what is enough uh, or their bottom buy now number? So when we talk about valuation, we really talk about two two types of metrics. The first one, we're looking at, uh, we're using a number of different methods to figure out valuation. Very, in, in many businesses, it's a multiple of a financial factor. In many companies, it's a multiple of earnings or EBITDA. In certain businesses, specifically uh, software businesses, it can be a multiple of their revenue. But we are looking, the no matter what metric you're looking at, you end up with a range. And the range basically is two aspects. One is, what are we targeting? Where do we think the high end of the market is? And what would be a great, amazing outcome? And that's a great number. That's often the number you hear at the cocktail party. Well, so-and-so sold for 12 times earnings. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. That's where we're going. What we need to know, though, equally, if not more importantly, is what's the low end of that market? And that tells us what that tells us what number we should be using for planning for uh, for planning purposes. So when we run, we will often run a analysis for a client where we look at what we think their their sale price valuation is at that with that in that range. We'll look at the low end. We'll then look at after tax proceeds at closing with an assumed structure, often something like a 70, 30, 70 percent cash, 30 percent something else, either stock or earn out or. And we'll, we'll look at that number. And what we're asking them is, boy, in this low scenario, does that after-tax cash proceeds make sense for trading your cash engine? And when we say it doesn't make sense, it's not what does society say. It's really a question about that specific set of shareholders or shareholder. What do they, is that achieve? What, how does that fit with their objectives? Especially if they're closely held businesses, it's really a question of personal objectives. Hence the name of the company, Objective. This is really a question of, does this achieve my plan? And the reason we use that that conservative number for that, because it's easy to plan for the upside. That's not what we do in life. What we really want to solve for is the downside. How do we address that downside? And it gives me this ability to aggressively disqualify potential buyers. When I know what my minimum number is, I now have downside protection. And our goal is to help clients make very good decisions. A yes 
and a no. Neither uh, I sell my business, I don't sell my business. Neither of those is a, is a bigger win for us. The win is, is making a very good decision consistently. So we really want to look at both sides of the of the valuation, both the target and then what that what that number I should be using for planning purposes is. We're speaking with Trevor Acers, founder of Objective. Trevor, is there anything I've not asked that you'd like to add? You know, one of the things that we often talk about in business is all these society tells us that it's really the financial metrics that matter. We talk about is a sale successful or not. Uh, I, I think one of the things that our society is recognizing more and more as M&A has become a, a normalized business activity is that while understanding our sort of financial objectives of what we want to get out of it, it's amazing to see how many business owners that get transactions completed when you talk to them two years after, that's the key metric in our industry, two years after, and you ask them, did you make a good decision? You often see them pause. And the conversation very commonly is not about, I didn't get enough money. It's about, you know what, I, it, it was a great deal, but you know they didn't treat my people well. They didn't take care of my customers the way that I wanted to get treated them. They didn't take my company and they drove it into the ground. They didn't use my intellectual property in the way I was hoping. These are the people, you know, we solve as life as, as humans, we solve in life for a lot of different types of currencies. And so I really recommend as, as business owners, as we're operating these businesses, that we really think holistically about what must be true in order for a transaction to make sense and get beyond just the things that society tells us about these numbers and also ask ourselves, what things can I live with? So when I get up two years later at 2 a.m. and I look myself in the mirror, the most honest time that we can be with each other, with ourselves and say, that was a good decision. That's what we're solving for. How can people get in contact with you, Trevor? Sure. Uh, our website, objectivecp.com, is a great place for, uh, for them to learn all about our, uh, our different industry practices. We've served five different industries. We focus primarily, our objective investment bank focuses primarily on sell side activities. So this is what we do all day, every day, <laughs> as opposed to a billion things. Um, and our industry folks are focused in those specific niches so that we end up really knowing the, uh, our clients and what they do. Well, Trevor, thank you very much for joining us today on the BCF ORG podcast, The Business of Business. Thanks, Brian. Really enjoyed this. My sincere thanks to Trevor Acers for joining us today. Managing the performance of your company is one of the most important things you do as a leader. This podcast is on over 20 directories. Subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast. In search, type BCFORG. Be sure to leave a space between BCF and ORG. Feel free to share this podcast with people who you think may benefit. A strong rating of these podcasts would be appreciated. If you'd like to reach out to me with any questions, comments, ideas, or potentially be a guest like Trevor, please go to bcforg.com. There's a red Contact Us button in the middle of the homepage. A LinkedIn symbol's on the upper right. Click on that if you'd like to see my profile. All the podcasts are available by clicking on the website podcast page in the reference bar. These podcasts will be released the first and third Tuesday each month. In the next episode, 81, our guest will be Lisa J. Smith discussing Find the holes in your sales process. In business, running a successful, profitable business is the ultimate scorecard. You are never done and can always be better. 
It tends to be more fun than work, frustrating at times, but can be very rewarding. From BCF ORG Corp., I'm Brian Fisher, wishing you the best. Thanks. Thanks.